thank you to the choir for blessing us with music, but also to Carolyn for that offertory. As Brian said uh, while we were sitting up here, that was a foot tapper. So we <laughs> appreciate it. With that said, will you join me in prayer? Lord, we thank you so much for the ways that you continue to be faithful to us. In our words and in our actions, might we be faithful to you today. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Our scripture reading comes from the book of John, not the book of Acts, which is what is listed in your bulletin, just trying to keep everybody on their toes. The book of John, chapter 14, beginning with verse 15 and going to 21. John 14, 15 to 21. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live. You also will live. On that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. They who have been, who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me. And those who love me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. To start this morning, I want to start with a story. It's from Harry Potter. Harry has just been arrested. He used magic outside of school while he was underage, and he was dragged into court. And not just a courtroom, they are interviewing him in a dungeon all by himself. And in front of him is this line of 40 judges, all gathered to try his case. Everyone is twice his age, wearing matching black robes. They all have very serious looks on their faces as they stare down at him. They begin interviewing him, picking him apart. Did you use magic? Well, yes. Were you aware it's illegal? Yes, but... And you did this magic in front of your cousin, a non-magic user? Yes, but... Every time Harry tries to offer his explanation, he's completely cut off. He's a small fish in a big pond, the least powerful, least influential face in the room. He doesn't know the ins and outs of wizard law. Frankly, neither do I. He's just a kid, and he is getting bulldozed. Nobody's listening to him. They're already speaking to each other as if he's not even in the room. The situation is completely helpless and completely hopeless. They're going to kick him out of school. They're going to break his wand. He will be sent back to his aunt and uncle who hate him. It's not probably going to happen. It's going to happen. His life in wizard land is over. But then suddenly, the principal of his school, Dumbledore, whirls into the room. Dumbledore has a beard that's so long it's tucked into his belt, and these bright blue eyes that look straight through you. He is the most powerful wizard in the world, in case you didn't know. He knows all the laws, knows all the right people,
people. And as he sets up, he begins asking several of the judges about their kids and surgeries, checking in with them. He has arrived with arguments, with witnesses, with confidence. He walks into the room that was about as hopeful as Frosty the Snowman in the Alabama sun. He walks out, and it's handled. Dumbledore is Harry's advocate when all was hopeless. In this story from the Gospel of John, Jesus is sharing a last meal with his friends. The next day, he's going to die. If you knew that this was your last day on earth, that tomorrow you'd be dead, what would you tell the people you love the most? What would you say? This is how Jesus answers that question. He looks at his disciples and says, I'm leaving. They're going to kill me, but don't worry. You will feel alone, but you're not. I'm sending an advocate to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The word advocate, it means defense lawyer. Jesus knows that tomorrow he's going to die. This is goodbye. He's looking at his closest friends and wants to give them what they need. So he tells them, I will not leave you orphaned. I am sending you an advocate. He will never leave you. The world won't see him. But that doesn't matter. Don't doubt this for a second. The Spirit will live with you. It will live in you. An advocate, a defense lawyer, a comforter. The Holy Spirit is our Dumbledore. Our advocate. When we are helpless and hopeless. But as soon as Jesus tells us we have an advocate, he continues in a rather strange way. The other part of this passage doesn't seem to fit with that. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. He says, they who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me, and those who love me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. We keep reading a couple more verses. Jesus says, whoever does not love me does not keep my words. So here Jesus is, longing to make sure his disciples are taken care of, promising an advocate. You won't be orphans, comforting, encouraging. Then this bit sounds a little hostile. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. But if you don't keep my commandments, let's not pretend this is something it isn't. If you don't keep my commandments, don't tell people you love me. Which sounds to me like a 90s hip-hop song by Destiny's Child. <laughs> Say my name. Anyone know it? I'm tempted to sing it, but I'm not going to. It's a girl talking to her boyfriend on the phone, and he's acting a little weird, and the song goes like this. Say my name. Say my name. If nobody's around you. Say, baby, I love you, if you ain't running game. Say my name, say my name. You acting kind of shady, ain't calling me baby. Why the sudden change? That's what Jesus is saying to his disciples. The song keeps going. Any other day, I would call and you would say, baby, how's your day? But today... It ain't the same. Every other word is uh-huh. 
Yeah. Okay. I actually think this is what Jesus is trying to get across to his disciples. We don't get to say, oh, Jesus, we love you. You are so amazing. You are our Savior. We worship you and we honor and we serve you when it's just us and Jesus and the church. And then when we're with other people, we're like, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, okay. We don't get to say we love and worship God when there's no cost and then not do anything that God commands us to do. Jesus is not going to let us sing, How great thou art, for great is thy faithfulness, Lord God, my Father. Or pray, Jesus, we love you and worship you and are so grateful, and then go and live our lives like it's no big deal. He's not going to sit around and be played. And this is part of the point here. We hear the words love and faithfulness a whole lot, especially in church. And when we use them, we're talking about God. And they just have an abstract character to them. Love and faithfulness to God become sentiments. They're feelings. But in a true relationship, love and faithfulness, they're actions. They're verbs. What this is talking about is loyalty. Loyalty to Jesus Christ. Because in this verse, Jesus is trying to provide for his disciples. He is making sure they won't be orphaned, making sure they know he's coming back for them. He is going to send them an advocate, a protector, a comforter, a Dumbledore. Jesus is also trusting his disciples with something. There was this man, his parents owned a little convenience store. Drove to the farms and supplies to get them all themselves, to save on costs, worked for every dime they ever had. In their little free time, they worked really hard for their son to put him through high school and then send him to college, trying to give him everything they didn't have. This man, he went to college, he worked hard, nose to the grindstone, hard. But then he came back home and took over the family business. He put a picture up of his parents in his office and worked every day to honor their legacy. The business grew, it gained respect in town for quality and trustworthiness. When chain stores moved in, he worked even harder to keep his customers' loyalty. He told them, I promise to give you the best product I can at the best price I can. I know it'll be a sacrifice to stay with me So I will sacrifice too and make it work. A lot of his customers stayed with him. He had to tighten his belt and carry an extra load, but his customers respected him even more for it. As he is preparing to retire, he begins looking over his employees to find a successor for his business. When he's looking at them, he's not just trying to figure out who can do the job. He's not just figuring out who can sell the products. He's passing on a legacy. Cause. His store wasn't just about a product, it was his family's reputation. It was his way of caring for the community. So when he's looking for his successor, he's looking for someone who will be loyal to what the family business has always been. He's looking for someone who will be loyal to the community it's a part of. As he retires, he's telling his successor everything he knows. Call me anytime you need me. I'm still in town, so call anytime. 
don't forget what this business is about. This guy isn't just passing on a business. He's passing on a cause, something bigger than himself. That's the tension between these verses in John. On the one hand, Jesus promises to send an advocate, a comforter. And in the same train of thought, he says, don't pretend you love me if you're not going to follow my commands. He's passing on a cause. It is a cause that Jesus lived for. He talked about, preached about, touched disease people over, got run out of town for it. He dreamt about it and huddled under his cloak during rainstorms for it. He went hungry for it. The gospel was his cause, the good news of God and God's kingdom. It was his cause. And for Jesus, being loyal to him is being loyal to following his commands. Loving him includes loyalty. Say my name, say my name, when no one is around you. There is no loving him without loving the cause. His cause is the will of his Father in heaven, the forgiveness of sins, the kingdom of heaven, spreading the good news until everyone comes home to God. And as Jesus is sitting there with his disciple, he already knows that tomorrow, in about six hours, he will be arrested for this cause. By this time the next day, he'll be crucified for the cause. Jesus knows that this cause comes with a cost. So he's looking at his disciples and he tells them, If you love me, you'll keep the cause, no matter the cost. Don't be afraid, because I will not leave you alone. I'll send an advocate to be with you. So when they threaten you, the Spirit will give you courage. When tragedy strikes, the Spirit will comfort you. When they take something from you, the Spirit will give you joy. For Jesus, these two things are intertwined. It's why he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will send you an advocate. His advocate is sent to sustain us in the cause. I am so convicted that the future of this church is in the hands of our advocate. If you haven't noticed... I'm a bit of a passionate person. It's just a part of my DNA. I overcommit to things when I see a cause, either I'm in or I'm out. There is no gray area. I believe it or I don't. There have been sermons I have written on Friday and changed on Saturday because I couldn't preach the original draft. It just wasn't right. That's the cause. I'm a passionate person, and the cause of the gospel, let me just tell you, is the most true cause I've ever encountered. It's above all about God's people returning to a relationship with him, with the God who loves us, is loyal to us. God wants to give us everything Jesus earned. He wants to give us eternal life of joy and peace and health through the forgiveness of sins and the resurrection of our bodies. He wants us to join him in building the kingdom. That's God's cause. I believe in that cause. 
But I know that when we're faced with the world, the world is filled with temptations. Fear about what will happen if we trust God. I felt that. I felt that fear when we moved from New Jersey to a small town in Alabama that neither of us had heard of. How in the world would things work out? But God told us it's for the cause. So we had to. There are temptations to settle, to say to ourselves, this won't matter. The cause isn't that important. God won't care. Temptations to pay attention to God for an hour on Sunday and pay attention to the world for the other 111 waking hours in the week. A big temptation is to hide in our own successes. To have a family you love, a job that is secure, a church you enjoy, and to just say, that's enough. This is all God wants from me. Jesus is reminding us here that, of course, those are blessings we are meant to enjoy, but we need to be loyal to the cause. We can't forget that this is still about God and his kingdom. And at those times, I believe this, at those times, our advocate, our defense lawyer will spin around and start defending Jesus against us. In a moment's notice, the spirit will become the spirit of discomfort. One of our members told me a story about going through this drive-thru, and the spirit discomforted them, gave them a feeling they were supposed to go inside. And inside was this person they hadn't seen in a while, a person that was in need of desperate prayer, just needed to hear about God's love. The two hugged and cried. Spirit will discomfort when it needs to, get us up and going. He will also comfort us. He will sustain us. He will give us courage when we know there are so many problems. The Spirit will remind us that it is possible for God. I am so convicted that the future of this church is in the hands of our advocate. It is the Spirit of truth, and that truth is that Jesus is worthy of our love and our loyalty. He is our Savior, and he deserves our worship, not just Sundays, but every day. His cause is worthy of our loyalty, because it is more true and more right and more honorable than any other out there. Church needs the Holy Spirit. On the last night before Jesus was killed, he was with his disciples, and he told them, I'm dying. But not even death can change my loyalty to you. You are part of my cause. I will send the Spirit to bless you. And while I'm gone, the cause that I lived and died for, I'm passing it on to you. Defend it. Proclaim it. The Spirit will guide you. The Spirit will defend you. The Spirit will equip you. Here's what Jesus says will happen as we follow the commands and are loyal to his cause. Those who love me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. Guys, the more loyal we are, the more God will reveal himself to us. The more loyal we are, the more God will reveal himself to us. So when you're surrounded by enemies, when life is circling, when people are ridiculing you for your faith, don't be afraid, because the Advocate is here. 
Say my name, say my name. If nobody's around you, say baby I love you if you ain't running game. Say my name, say my name. You acting kind of shady, ain't calling me baby. Why? Sudden change. Loyalty. Do you stand with God only here at church? Or do you stand with God at all? Lord, we thank you that your spirit guides and equips us, but we also thank you that your spirit will discomfort us when we need it. Guide us and lead us into your light. Teach us where you want us to go next and what you want from us. We are so grateful for what you have done in us, through us, and for us. Help us to be your hands and your feet. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.